Hi, this is Tamika Jackson, and you're listening to Yeah, You're Right. This is episode seven. Today, we're going to talk about this idea of first things being first. Yes, we are in the new year. Yes, it is February. And I'm not sure about you or if you have completed or set New Year's resolutions. A lot of people do that after the new year. And not only is this a new year, but it is also a new decade. This is important because we set these goals and ideas and these thoughts around what we would like to accomplish and we go forth. A lot of times people are not able to achieve those goals and that is okay. But one of the things I really want to discuss and something that I am also in the process of doing myself is identifying what needs to come first. So this is not easy, nor is this going to be one of those, oh, as long as I just do one, two, three, four, five, I'm going to be good. What I'm about to talk about is not simple. It is actually dealing with the root causes of things. So while it may be easy for us to say, hey, I need to lose weight, it's a harder question to identify why am I gaining weight? Why am I choosing to eat the things that I am eating? Why do I choose to eat those things at those times? Why am I not exercising? Why? So going down to the root and identifying what are the things and the decisions that you are making that produce this sort of outcome, right? It's sort of, you know, like a computer. What you put in is what it's going to give out. So this idea of first things first is my challenge because we want to fix the outcome of something, but it's almost like putting a Band-Aid on it. We're not dealing with the root causes. I'm going to share a story about something that has happened in my own life where I'm like, you're not dealing with the issue, Tamika. You're dealing with the outcome. This is the aftermath of the situation. You're not dealing with where did all of this originate from? So in my late 20s, I was having, I don't even know what it was called. It wasn't a midlife crisis. (laughs) Um, I guess I was just, you know, grappling with some identity things. Um, And my father was someone that was not in my life. I knew of him. I knew that he was alive, but I just had this urge to find him. So I told my mother, she told her friend, and we were able to find him. And I found him. And it was an interesting story because he shared with us that he had not had a good relationship with his family. And therefore, he left South Carolina when he was in the eighth grade. This is significant because my father, I found out, was actually living in Philadelphia at the time and was very close to where we lived. I mean, the city is big, but not that big. And so he was fairly close. And I remember walking away 
thinking he was so close. I wonder why he never went to go see his family, came to see us. I can count on my one hand how many times he's done that. And so it was interesting because at the time I was approaching my 30s and I really felt like I was dealing with some identity crisis, like how I was relating to people and people of the opposite sex and things like that. And I just really wanted to get back to the root, which was, I felt like my father at the time. So during that process, it ended up being something that was, I think, beneficial for not only me and my siblings, but also my father. He soon passed away from prostate cancer. And during that time, I got to build somewhat of a friendship with him. We talked almost every day. It was an opportunity for me to realize as I was trying to get to my root, also getting to his root around why family wasn't important, even his offspring. He never really had close relationship with any of his family. So if he didn't have that as a younger child, he was in the eighth grade when he left and was on his own. So when he grew older, it was like a thing where it wasn't as important. It didn't really matter. He didn't have it. Therefore, he probably felt like he could not give it. It was just interesting. I mean, it's a small example. I'm sure it goes 10 times deeper than that. But I'm just giving you an example of sort of getting to the root of some things, right? Because I could be or I could have been this bitter person like, you aren't in my life and I can't stand you and, you know, all of that. But the reality was he probably felt that he couldn't really give something that he never had. And so when dealing with root issues and dealing with first things first, as we are into the month of February or whenever you're listening to this podcast is what's the root? What is the first thing you need to address? So it's not just that you have a time management issue. What's deeper than that, right? Is it that you just don't like your coworker or is it that you just don't appreciate what's happening and in the political world or on social media, like go deeper. And that's my challenge for today. Go deeper. What is the root? Deal with the first thing first, not put band-aids on. I'm just going to cut myself off from this person, but why? Right now, don't get me wrong. Right. There are toxic people in the world and I'm a big advocate from cutting yourself off from toxic people. However, even with that, I would identify why their behavior is causing you to feel some type of way. What does that look like? What does that mean for you? What feelings are they producing? Something happened to me at work one day and I realized that it took me back to my childhood. Like almost instantly, I felt like that kid that was being picked on. And I remember this is when I first got into education And I was young myself. I'm working at an alternative school. And yeah, I was young. And somebody called another kid a name. You know, two students were talking to each other. But he called him a name. And it was something similar to a name that I was called when I was young. So the student wasn't even talking to me. He was just talking to another student. And this 
thing bothered me to the point where I turned around and I was like, what did you say? And I realized my body is hot. I am upset. (laughs) If steam could have been coming out of my ears, it would have at that point because I was reminded of this thing. It took me right back to childhood. And I remember being really upset with the student and warning him in a way where I'm like, don't you ever say that again, ever. That's not okay. You do not understand what words like that mean. (laughs) It was not good. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it was just very stern for what he actually said because for him, that was normal. For me, I mean, it was normal, but it was at a place where probably as a young person, I didn't feel empowered to say that. But as an adult, I felt very empowered to correct the behavior because I did not want another young person to go through some of the things I had to go through because they thought it was normal. So That is just a small, small example of sort of just getting to the root. Why are you reacting that way? This probably sounds familiar and you'll probably hear me ask these questions, but I just think it's important to make sure that we are really taking an inventory and we are not trying to put band-aids on situations, right? So if you're chronically late, why is that? Why do you not value time? Why? I had a conversation with my brother about something and I was telling him, I am coming to the conclusion that I need to acknowledge some things about myself. And my question to him was, after acknowledgement, what is my next step? He said, acknowledgement, that's great. And it reminded me of when you are going through addiction counseling, the first thing you need to do is accept. You know, this is one of the things that they say. Hi, my name is such and such and I am an addict or whatever it may be at that point. It is important to be aware and accept and acknowledge this is who I am, right? But I challenge you not just to stop at awareness or acknowledgement or acceptance, but what is the next step? Because who you are right now does not mean that's who you have to be. So first things first, what is the first thing you need to tackle? It may not be the outward thing, the manifestation of what you're seeing. It may be something as small as what were the behaviors that you observed as a kid? right? I have a financial coach. And the first question she asked me was, what was your relationship with money? I responded and said, oh, I remember my mom would give us money, an allowance of some sort, or we would have to read books and write book reports and she would give us a quarter. She said, okay, and what did you do with that money? I said, I would go to the store and buy candy or things that she would not be able to buy us. And she said, okay. And literally, as I was saying it, (laughs) I knew what she was going to say afterwards, which was, and you're still doing that now. And she said it out of her mouth and I was thinking it at the same time. And I was like, wow, yeah, you are. 
you are literally compensating and doing and spending like you were as a kid, but you are no longer a kid. And that's an example of first things first, dealing with it. So that is what I was doing. Now let's address that. I'm spending money and I'm buying things that I felt like my mom or, you know, parents or family could not afford at the time. And I'm just like, this this is what I'm going to buy and I deserve this. And I'm making all of these good rational statements as to why I need to purchase X, Y, and Z. And I want to live my best life and I work hard and I deserve it. And I'm not saying that I don't. I'm not saying that I should not have fun or anything like that. But what I am saying and what I'm sure she would say (laughs) is that I also need to plan and save. I cannot just spend every piece of extra monetary gain on fun or not not candy anymore, but other things like trips or whatever. Now, can I go on a trip? Yes, but it may not be three trips a year, right? So it's in excess. It's important to identify first things first. So I went to her because I thought I needed to talk to someone about my finances. I needed her to look at my finances and help me budget. But the first thing she said was, how did you spend your money as a kid? And I'm like, what does this have to do with anything? (laughs) And as soon as I gave her the answer, I was like, oh boy, here we go. The coach in me kicked in. You're doing the same thing. So I challenge you, what is the thing that is bothering you? What is the thing that you feel like is holding you back? What is that? So that thing that just came to your head, that thing right there. Okay, now, first things first. What's the real question that you need to ask yourself? Let's address it. Think about it. Take it head on. You don't have to talk about it with anybody. Just write it down. I don't know if you have a journal or something. Just write it down and come back to it because a lot of times we are not able to face it. A lot of times it is hard, right? And it doesn't even have to be anything deep or detrimental. It may just be literally, I cannot right now. I'm dealing with a lot and I need to focus on this, right? Fine. But let's stop wasting our time and our money putting Band-Aids on bigger wounds. Band-Aids are for surface level wounds. It is not for gashes or deep surgery. Some of the things that we need to address are a lot deeper than we're making them out to be. And we will continue to run this rat race and we will continue to circle. I don't know if you've ever felt like you are repeating the same thing, maybe every five to seven or 10 years. Like that has been happening for me to the point where I had to stop. And I'm like, what was the lesson that I did not learn? And it may not be the same thing, but it's similar. It may be different people, different places, but it's the same lesson. And I want to get to the root. I don't want to be dealing with this in 10 years. I don't want to have to go through some of the same lessons that I should have learned or I should have mastered or should have been dealing with the root of those things 
years before, but because I refused to deal with them or because I would put on temporary band-aids for things that are much bigger than I gave them credit for, right? And it may be something so simple, such as how do I show affection to my child or my children because they are looking for affection. Maybe it's you didn't receive affection. Maybe it was the wrong type of affection. Maybe you feel uncomfortable because of other reasons. Identify what that is. What is it, right? So I have a thing and people that know me know that I'm not really a hugger. Nothing personal. Well, no, it's not really personal towards other people, but I just think that hugging is a very intimate thing. And when you hug someone, it's personal. It's very personal. And so when people are not as close and they go in for hugs or something like that, it is odd to me. I don't hug people. I just think it's a very personal thing. And when I started to dig a little deeper, I realized that it's probably my love language. And so if I am hugging you or touching you in any way, it means I feel personally connected to you in a way that shows respect and closeness. And there's a part of me that I'm giving to you and vice versa, because I believe you've done the same thing. It's very intimate. It's very personal for me. And other people are just like, well, that's the way you greet people. That's not me, right? (laughs) That's not how I look at it. But I had to like dig a little deeper for that because I think people are just like, yeah, she's not a hugger. And it's just, you know, sort of like that. And not that they even need to know why, but it's sort of the point of why is that? So I wanted to know why. Hmm, Why don't you like hugging people? So I was, you know, having this conversation with a friend and she said, yeah, what is that about? And it required me to think. I just think it's a very personal, intimate thing. It's just not something you just do, you know? It's just like, I have five nieces and nephews and I don't eat after any of them because they all have germs. And so do I. And so I just think it's something that can be very intimate and personal. But I see mothers and fathers do it all the time after their kids because they came from them, right? I'm assuming. I don't know. I don't have any kids. So it's a very personal thing. They're very connected to these little beings, right? Their family. It's a difference, right? Um, So I think that's one of the things that has stood out for me is like getting to the core. Why are you doing and thinking the things that you are doing and thinking? Deal with the root. How do you prioritize? Stephen Covey, he says, effective leadership is putting first things first. He says, effective management is discipline, carrying it out. So some people may say, well, I'm not a leader, so that doesn't apply to me. Well, that's the thing. You are. You're the leader of your life. Being the leader of your life means that you need to be putting first things first. In a world where we are easily distracted, I mean easily distracted, right? Effective management is discipline and carrying it out. How are you managing your life? How are you managing your mind? We talked about this before, this mind management piece. How are you doing that? Are you doing that? If you are not, are we letting the negative thoughts consume us? 
and drive us to live and respond in certain ways? Are we not checking those thoughts? Effective management is discipline, is carrying it out. Effective leadership is putting first things first. First things first is checking you always. It's almost a prerequisite. So it's interesting when people come to me about certain things and they say, well, this person is doing this or this person is doing that. The first thing I usually ask, depending on the situation, but for the most part, especially on a personal level, and how does that make you feel? One, do you know why it makes you feel that way? Two, and if you do not, What's the first process in identifying why you think you feel that way? Let's take a moment and deal with that first. I always tell people, understanding people is the first step. When you understand who you're dealing with, it helps. I'm not saying that you give them passes. I'm not saying that you ignore bad behavior. I'm saying it helps to understand the beast you are dealing with. It just matters. If I know that a guard dog is a guard dog and he is going to attack anything that is coming against what he is set to guard, that means his owner, that means a building, whatever that may be. If I know that, I am not willy-nilly walking up to the building or going to try to do harm to the owner because that guard dog is going to do what is in the nature of a guard dog to do, period. That is what it's going to do. It's the same with people. That's why it's important to understand the things that trigger you. It's important to understand who you are, what places you need to avoid, what people you need to not listen to. It matters what you are taking in. So, Back to first things first. How do you identify what the first thing you need to do is you need to push a little harder. Ask the five whys. Why are you feeling that way? Why to whatever response that you give? Why to that response? Why to that response? Keep going. Why does it matter to you? Keep asking the whys until you are able to get to I think it's because of this. And this is not the blame game. So don't get me wrong on this. This is not, well, it's my mother's fault. Or it's my fault. No, no, no. We're not going to blame anybody. We're just going to get to the root. And we're going to acknowledge. We're going to accept. And then we're going to go to the next step of identifying ways to make sure that those things don't rule your life. That starts with managing your mind. You all have a great day. I hope that you will continue to listen to the podcast and rate it, please. This is uber important. I wish that you have a great week and I will see you next week with more from, yeah, you're right. If you think you can do a thing or you don't think you can do a thing, you're right. Have a good one.